When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Weed and pills? Yeah, baby. Sounds like that kind of weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, NBA free agency starts, uh, I believe, at 11.59 p.m. Is it Saturday night or 12.01 a.m. Sunday? It's one of those pretty two. Much, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, everybody's going to be watching what LeBron James decides to do, although rep- reports already are out there that he's going to opt out of his uh, 30-some million dollar contract with Cleveland. 35.6, I believe. Okay, 35.6 yep. and, and hit the free agent market. Uh, the Wolves are expected to be fairly quiet in free agency, but uh, at 5.15 we'll have Jace Frederick, my colleague at the Pioneer Press, to kind of talk about what the thought process is over at Target Center as uh, free agency, the, the the great bazaar, opens up on February 1st. Uh, we were talking just before the break about the infamous Lee Elia meltdown. Uh, do we even need to set this up with context anymore? Why don't you just a people? little bit? Because we always have new listeners that might not know what we're talking about. This is about 1981-1982. Lee Elia was the uh, manager of the Chicago Cubs, the lowly Chicago Cubs, who were probably 10 or 15 games uh, out of first place at this point. And uh, they were booed off the field that day. And Lee Elia did not take too kindly to how the fans in the friendly <laughs> confines uh, treated his team that day. And I want to set another piece of this up because this was performed, the surgical task on this particular two-minute piece of audio was performed by yours truly when the Cubs came here in 2014. When did they come here? When Scott Diamond threw a gem when the Cubs were awful? That sounds about right. 13, 12, whatever, whenever it was. It, so that's why this was constructed. I, you had to clean this up. Oh, man. This yeah. took about three days to put together. Here's Lee Elia. I'll tell you one Thing. I hope we get hotter and just to stuff it up them 3,000 people that show up every day. Because if they're the real Chicago fans, they can kiss my They're really, really behind you around here. My the mother don't even work. That's why they're out at the game. They only go out and get a job and find out what it's like to go out there on a Unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 
seen mother that come out to date baseball. The other 85% are earning a living. But you're stuck in a stigma of the Dodgers and the Phillies and the Cardinals and all that cheap <laughs> All these mother editorials about say and uh, the Phillyitis and all that shit. It's sickening. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a disheartening f***ing situation we're in right now. 5 and 14 doesn't negate all that work. Rip me. If you want to rip somebody, rip my But don't rip them guys, because they're giving everything they can give. But once we hit that groove, it'll flow. And it will flow. The talent's there. Needless to say, Lee Elia was oh. not employed by the Chicago Cubs much longer after that rant, basically uh, uh, taking to task the paying customers back then, the 3,000 people, or the 15% who don't work, who aren't out there making a living. I implore people to listen to that once or on, twice. On once edited. A, just yeah. naked? Unedited, once or twice a week, on, on your own time. There needs there once al- or twice. A there almost needs to be an oral ESPN oral history or or some kind of a, a a breakdown of how that rant came to be, both the circumstances of the game that led up to that, and who is the who is the guy that recorded that and well, actually I was preserved say, it. God bless the reporter that was rolling on that particular. I mean, piece you can tell audio. it was a reel to reel type tape, probably a Sid Hartman machine. I mean, it was not digitally recorded and didn't sound that. But here's what I love. So I'm pulling this clean up. or crisp. The Cubs were god awful that year. They were 38 and wait, 38 and 65. Oh, it was a strike shortened year in 81. 81. That's right. 81. And he said That's they were right. five and 14 at that. So point. we're talking 19 games into a season. 19. This is April. <laughs> and they're already five and 14. Oh, but they're busting their tails yes. off. You gonna rip anybody? Rip me. Yes. <laughs> That's the all-time rant, so, is it not? Was it? Was it the eighty-one season? I believe it was eighty-one or eighty-two. It was in that okay. realm. Affiliates. Because the eighty-one <laughs> season lists uh, Joey. Amalfitano. Amalfitano was the manager. Okay. Oh, I suppose because he would have taken over because if Elia didn't make it through the season. Oh, check eighty-two. Maybe okay, it was maybe eighty-two as well. That. I mean, it was one of these two years. Of course, this is pre-lights, so they're all playing during the <laughs> during the day, and it's like <laughs> none of none of the bleepers work. Oh, that was great! Eighty-five percent of America, the world is out yeah. there earning a living. The other fifty percent, I think it come was eighty. Here. I think it was eighty-two because that lists Lee Elia as the manager. They went seventy-three and eighty-nine. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! All right, so sixteen games under five hundred. That and is pretty good. That's pretty good right there, and. You kind of understand the frustration, you know, when you're Lee Elia because you're in the pressure cooker known as Wrigley Field, and it's Chicago. It's you know a huge market. Supposedly and, the best fans, they're behind you all the way. Oh my goodness! But could you imagine being a diehard Chicago fan? You've been you've been with living and breathing with this club for decades, and then you hear your manager come out and rip you, me personally, <laughs> for having the audacity for, to, to boo a seventy-three audacity team. to take a day off of work and pay for a <laughs> ticket and come here and express my displeasure with your five and fourteen team. Oh, Got it, guys. Eighty-three. Oh, eighty-three. Oh. Seventy-one and ninety-one. Oof. Lee Elia went fifty-four and sixty-nine, and then Charlie Fox looks like he took over. And went seventeen and twenty. So he didn't get canned right after that. I thought the urban legend was he yeah. got canned right after that. And okay. they were five and fourteen on uh, after losing to the Dodgers on April twenty ninth. Now we're all pretty familiar with the famous Minnesota meltdowns, but you being a Detroit kid growing up, did we have any really 
historic manager coach meltdowns in Detroit because nothing's coming to mind. Um, the one the one meltdown I that I can think of it wasn't dealing with the media, but it was uh, Jacques Demers, not Jacques Lemaire. Jacques mm-hmm. Demers was the coach of the Red Wings in the mid to late eighties. And I want to say it was 87 or 88, and I think there's a YouTube clip of it. I don't know if there's any sound of it, but Herb Brooks, the year that he was the coach of the Minnesota North Stars, Brooks and Demers almost got into a brawl between the benches. Really? Over some kind of a missed call or or, or, mm. or some somebody took a run at somebody. The North Stars were awful that year. This is probably midseason. And the, something happened out on the ice that ticked off Demers. And all of a sudden... You look, the, the, the camera's panned over, and he's reaching over. Players are holding him back. <laughs> he's reaching over to try to get at Brooks, and Brooks is just standing there giving the old two-finger like, wave. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's bring it. I'll dance with you. <laughs> Rumor had it he called him a milkman. Now, the reason that got Demers upset is because before he became an NFL coach, he drove a Coca-Cola truck. Uh, while he was a junior coach, I believe. So really, Brooks said something along the lines, "Come at me, you milkman." <laughs> oh, wow. That's the, I, I don't remember any epic media meltdowns because um, at that time you had Chuck. When I was in my heyday, you had Chuck Daly, who was a media charmer. Sparky Anderson. I mean, he had writers sure. eating out of his hand. Yep. Um, I don't. And you know, Bo Schembechler was a media favorite. I mean, he could be crusty. Uh, the the old football coach of the. Uh, uh, Michigan Wolverines. What did I, you find? I, I found it. it. It's on YouTube. The video? I don't yeah. think there's any sound to it, I don't believe there's any sound. I mean, I have my phone turned down. Right I don't know. Now, if anybody out there remembers that. Oh, yeah. Jacques Demers is... Uh, He's heated. He he wants he wants a piece of Herbie. How long he was he the Red Wings coach? Was he there yeah, for a long time? He was probably there from like uh, eighty six to ninety ish, uh, something like Herbie that. Herbie also had a very hot temper. Yeah, he could get uh, he could get. Didn't really, you have a Herb story from I doing North Star games? I used to have a bit of sound of him. I was the uh, in studio producer, and we had a stringer. And I don't know where they were in Canada, but it was an embarrassing loss. And this stringer shoved a microphone in his face as he was coming off the ice, and Herbie went off. It was just delightful. It was about 60 seconds of F-bombs, and it was just fantastic. And I cleaned it all up, and we ran it on the air, and it's since been lost to time. I can't find it. It's one of those where he probably ran in all flustered, and he'd, Herb had already talked and kind of given his pint of blood about what went wrong well, that night. And some poor kid with a microphone. Yeah, it was some I'm guy sorry, that... Herb, I missed all this. Can you tell me, can you tell me everything again? Oh. Yeah, and you know the local guys could read Herb, and they knew... When not to push it, but this was just some local up there, a stringer, and he's just trying to get sound for us. <laughs> I'll make it brief, Reavers. I know we got a break, but I, this reminds me of a, a scene in the in the Vikings locker room. Do you remember uh, uh, Tyrone Williams? I believe he was a sure coach. Uh, he was no, 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 no. I'm trying to think of someone else. Oh, um, Tyrone Carter was he a second? Did he play that yeah. in the secondary? He was a former golfer. Okay, did he play for the Vikings? Yes. Yep. Okay, he mm-hmm. got busted for a DUI, right? So he had to come out into the locker room and sort of give his mea culpa, you know, and explain, I'm, you know, I apologize to my teammates. I apologize to uh, uh, the fans and my coaches. I made a mistake and, and I'm, I'm going to learn from this and everything's everything's going to. And it might have been Tyrone Mathieu. I, I got I shouldn't get the name. I, I don't want to slander anybody here. Sure. So just let's say a his Vikings first name player, was Tyrone, a Vikings player, sort of a marginal player. Mm-hmm. Well, he got done doing his media scrum and I'm going to leave the name of this person out because everybody knows him. But. One of the local TV reporters comes up and say, Tyrone, I'm sorry. 
We just missed all that. We had a camera malfunction. No. Can you oh, tell no. us how oh, sorry God. you still oh, are? God. And he put the microphone right in his face, oh, and I'm God. like, wow, that was bold. And he actually did it again. You're he read his Rhea Culpa again. No. That's, you can't do that. I know. If hey, you missed it, you miss it. You got to move on. My phone died. Could you redo that you really can, quick? But it was, the best part was not only could you do it again, but can you tell us again how sorry you are? And maybe muster up a tear or two. <laughs> well, yeah, whip up it. some tears. Oh. Make it look legitimate. Oh, my God. All right. We'll be wow. back with more. Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press will come and talk some Timberwolves right after this. LeBron makes his decision Mach 2 at some point uh, where he's going to be going. It doesn't sound like he's going to be going back to Cleveland as these are in multiple reports of saying he's going to opt out of his contract. That should set the dominoes falling for the free agent market and you know who's going to be going where and when. And it's going to start uh, this weekend. The Wolves aren't expected to be very active, but I wanted to get a sense of exactly what their priorities are and joining me now as my colleague at the Pioneer Press, Jace Frederick, who covers the Wolves. Jace, uh, it's very basic here, but what are the, you know, with their salary cap situation, I don't know if they're going to be able to create any more space. What are the what are the Wolves expected to do during free agency? Uh, very little, uh, Murph. They, they essentially, I mean, they have quite a few spots to fill, but just no money to fill it. Uh, they have a, a mid-level exception. They can't even spend all of it. It's like $8 million, 8.5. They can't even spend it all because then they would go into the luxury tax. So they've got like $5.3 million, uh, in the with the mid-level that they can use. And then after that, it's all minimum-level deals, uh, which is around like the $2.3 million range. So you're looking at maybe like one guy uh, who, you, who you can sign with that $5 million who might be a, like a, a legitimate rotational piece. And after that, you're kind of looking for diamonds in the rough. Um, and that all depends on, like, right now they have a qualifying offer out to Nemanja Bielita. Kind of might work out where if Bielita finds a better spot for him, he'll take, he'll go there. And if the Timberwolves find a better option uh, for that $5 million that Bielita would get, well, then they would take that player instead of Bielita. And it's possible that neither could find something better and they would end up back together. But you're really looking at about one guy with that $5 million in that mid-level spot, and after that it's it's all anybody who's willing to take the minimum, which... As every summer, it's kind of a we'll wait and see what the market is and how much exactly everybody's getting. Well, what about Derrick Rose? He had a nice playoff, but it, it seems like he still needs to be oiled every time he takes the floor. Yeah, you know, he he, he did have an, a nice playoff run. They really liked what he did here. He liked being here. He was comfortable here. He liked playing under Tibbs again. He liked his role. He was given plenty of opportunities. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he came back. Um, I would say it's probably likely that it's for the minimum, but we'll see what his market is. I'm not sure exactly how much interest there will be out there for him. Maybe, maybe if he gets another offer, the Wolves have to eat him to that mid-level for Rose, because um, I do know they want him back. But I would guess that he probably signs for the minimum. I guess that's that's what I'm thinking is how he'll come back to Minnesota. All right, so the Wolves made a big splash last summer by trading for Jimmy Butler, and that was supposed to be the catalyst to uh, not only turning the, the, the fortunes of the franchise around and making them a playoff contender, but also enticing other players maybe uh, to come here as well. But I, how do, at this point, how do the Wolves assemble a roster and maybe create an environment that convinces Jimmy Butler that he wants to stay here long term? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure um, if that's really possible right now, Murph, just in the sense that he wants the contract extension right now. Uh, he has one year left on that deal. Uh, 
But he, he would like to, he would prefer, I guess, to renegotiate a max deal right now. The Wolves don't have anywhere near the cap space to do that. Uh, they would have to trade a lot of big contracts. Probably have to try to trade Gorgie Jang, which is just going to be too difficult to move. I don't think anybody wants Jang's contract. Uh, or they have to make a decision to trade Andrew Wiggins, which I don't think they're ready to do. I don't think they want to do that. So they're not going to clear the space to renegotiate that max deal Butler wants this summer. At which point you're just kind of banking on crossing your fingers, hoping that next summer Butler will will sign resign with Minnesota and take that extra year and. $40 million that he can get with Minnesota that he can't get anywhere else, but Butler wants to win. Uh, Butler wants to win big. Butler wants to compete for championships. Um, with Minnesota, with the cash trap they are, I just I don't know how much their roster can evolve, so I guess if you're Minnesota and you're willing to go into this this last year of, of Butler's deal, you're hoping that you know your younger players continue to develop and somehow you take a big jump in this hyper-competitive Western Conference and and I guess convince Butler that, hey, look, what we've got right now, I know we don't have any money to really improve the roster that much, but what we have is enough. Um, and I think that's going to be a tough sell for them. So I think it's going to be a really interesting situation to see how that plays out this summer with Butler. With, yeah, I think the realization is going to hit, going to hit that he's not going to get that, that max level uh, contract renegotiated this summer. But he's got to know that, right? I mean, it's not that the Wolves don't want to, it's just that they can't. Right, but you know, at that point, then you're letting him go into next summer, and then now all the options are on the table, and Butler has choices, and I think he's going to decide, is this my best choice? And I, I don't think anybody would fault him if they said no, uh, especially if you're looking for a chance to compete for championships, because I don't know how close Minnesota is currently to doing that. So I think it, it just, you know, if right now is your best chance to lock him up, uh, and he's willing to take that right now, then I think... You know, it's up to the Wolves to decide if they want to kind of try to move heaven and earth to make that happen. Otherwise, I think it's a really dangerous proposition uh, to to let Jimmy go into next offseason and kind of have all the options laid out in front of him and just kind of hoping that he picks you. Okay, the overarching and intriguing question here, is Carl Anthony Towns truly happy here? And I guess what do you make of reports about his, you know, alleged disgruntlement with the uh, curmudgeonly Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, I don't think, I mean... I think there's some level of discontent there. I don't think it's. I think maybe it's a little bit overblown. I, I, don't, I certainly don't think it's irreparable. I think Carl Anthony Towns likes it playing here in Minnesota. I think he he likes the franchise. I think he knows he's kind of the future face of this franchise if he's not already. Um, yeah, I certainly think he's going to sign that that maximum uh, level extension this summer, much like Andrew Wiggins got last summer. And I I, I just I think. Everything, anything that's wrong between him and Tom Thibodeau can be repaired and, and will be repaired, I think, uh, by the time the season rolls around. Just, I, I don't see it being anything that, that impedes uh, the, the progression of, of their negotiations this summer in terms of his extension. Uh, speaking of Tibbs, does he have anything to answer for? I mean, he delivered the franchise's first playoff berth in 14 years, but all that sideline ranting didn't maybe make for good optics. I mean, but that's kind of who they thought they knew they were getting. I mean, what's, what are we to make of all the, 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 the chatter out there that maybe, uh, maybe he needs to sand that down a little. Yeah. You know, I think he said to Glenn Taylor many times, that he thinks that's kind of like that. That's what he does. And he thinks that's the way he's most effective um, as a coach. And it's certainly something where we don't see a lot of that anymore in the NBA, a lot of the coaches barely even get out of their seats. It's kind of a more observe and maybe stand up to argue a call here or there or, or to point something out to somebody on the court. But a lot of times it's sitting down kind of quietly and, and watching and learning and, and kind of, I don't know, preparing what you're going to say in, in the timeout. But this is what Tibbs has always done. And, you know, I think to expect you were going to get anything else uh, when he came here would would kind of have been foolish. Um, and it, it's hard to kind of change who you are. And if you're a coach and this is how – 
you think is the best way to deliver your message, then you kind of have to do what you have to do because you were brought in, you were the choice to be hired. So I think you kind of have to do things your way to some extent. And I don't know if if it's not liked, uh, then maybe they have to move on to somebody else. But it, it looked phony, I think, if he did something else or if he tried to completely change his ways. It's kind of like this is how I coach. You hired me to coach. This is kind of what I do here. So I don't know if he has anything to apologize in that sense because that's who he's always been, and, and they chose him to do this job. Uh, so that's uh, kind of always how I felt about the situation. Now, is that the best like way for, for you know, it's, like you said, it's not the best optics for fans, mm-hmm. um, especially younger fans. Uh, maybe you, parents are bring their kids and they send the first few rows and you can hear that. Maybe that's, you know, not not the greatest thing. And maybe you want to put the hands over your kids' ears from time to time. Uh, but it's kind of always who he's been. So I don't know if it's something that he necessarily has to apologize for. Talking uh, NBA and Wolves here with Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Uh, so LeBron... Kawhi Leonard, these are the guys that are going to be setting the market, it sounds like, for free agency. I mean, when do these dominoes start falling? Yeah, well, LeBron, I think it's going to be sooner than later. All reports are that he doesn't want this to drag out very long. Um, supposedly, he's getting together soon with uh, you know, his, kind of his post-confidence and friends and kind of talking over his options. It certainly seems like the Lakers, Philly, I, I still think returning to Cleveland, even though he opted out, is, is maybe an option, but I think the Lakers are certainly viewed widely as the front runner right now just because they have the cap space and they have the opportunity to add maybe another star, um, whether that be trading for Kawhi Leonard from San Antonio or just signing Paul George, who's always been rumored to come to the Lakers as far back as last year. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity with the Lakers um, and LeBron. I don't think he'll take very long making a decision where it, whichever way it is, one way or another. He's been through kind of the, the whole show, I guess, of free agency before and Obviously, that decision uh, show he put on uh, to, to go to Miami was not received well a long time ago, and I just think he's kind of over the theatrics of it. And he just wants to, and he kind of knows each franchise. He knows each situation. He doesn't need to be talked in or out of something. Uh, he knows what he's getting into, and I think he just kind of wants to make his decision and move on. All right, Jace, thanks for the perspective. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Murph. All right, Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. Um, this is Murphy in for Royce on the ride. We'll be back for the final half hour of the show right after this. on this steamy Friday afternoon. John Hyde is in for a final sports update. I think. Sorry, I was playing guitar. Oh, oh, air guitar. Joe Tech, show me. Great song. I actually was worried I didn't turn his mic up. Oh, (laughs) there's something wrong. I do. I was playing air guitar. It's been that kind of day. Yeah. Yeah. Manny's the only guy that saw me playing air guitar. (laughs) Uh, This update sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. The Twins playing the Cubs down at Wrigley Field this afternoon. Joe Mauer's having a day uh, there in the, uh, what are they, in fourth, right? Bo- bottom, fourth, of the fourth fourth, in, bottom of the fourth. Bottom of the fourth. Rios in a little bit of trouble. It's five to two Twins with two runners on for the Cubs. Mauer has a three-run homer, and he has a two-run double. He's two for three with five RBIs on the day for the Twins again. Five to two Twins in the bottom of the fourth. Twins made some roster moves today. If you watched yesterday's game, you saw Tyler Motter run face-first, into a pole in the fence at uh, the White Sox Stadium. He's been put on the seven-day disabled list with concussion-like symptoms. Uh, that means they brought up one of Patrick Royce's favorite ball players, Williams Astudio. No, Astudio. There we go. Astudio. Uh, the two L's make a Y sound, I heard. I, that is true. That's and very it's not true. William, it's Williams. 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 With an N instead of an M. Mm-hmm. He's hitting two. That's how my uh, youngest son used to pronounce his brother's name, William. It's Williams. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting 290 or was hitting 290 with seven home runs and 25 RBIs at Rochester to make room on the 40 man roster. Uh, you may remember this fellow. He made a couple starts for the Twins last year. The Twins designated righty Felix Jorge for release or assignment. Oh, a quick, no. A quick addendum to this. Uh, this is from uh, 1500's Derek Wetmore. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're into stats, uh, Williams Estadio has a 2.7% walk rate and a 4.8 strikeout rate. Both of those would be the lowest on the Twins this season, lower than Byron Buxton and lower than Joe Maurer. Basically, he's got a little bit of power, and he loves to put the ball in play, Puts which is play. Uh, something yeah. that this game desperately needs. Remind me, what, what position? Sorry, he's catcher. 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 Mostly oh. catcher. Okay. They, on the, he, for some reason, the press release, they put infielder, too. Yeah, well, because I think he came up as a shortstop. Got it. He he is a uh, he put on a little bit of weight. Yeah, how do you go a, from shortstop to he's, catcher? Yeah. He's a stout fellow. Yeah. Little shall we say about uh, five eight, five nine, about a good two twenty. Yeah. Well, then that's what happens. Yep. <laughs> and speaking of boneheaded front office moves, uh, Randy Rosario currently warming up for the Chicago Cubs in the bullpen. Did you, uh, would you guys call that guy a daddy or a bear? Maybe you're more uh, knowledgeable on that. that. I don't know. Is that Kenny. an inside reference or no, something? No, we'll explain okay. that when we're off the air. Well, that's just Kenny. <laughs> Francisco <laughs> Calvo. I think the heat's getting to him, I folks. Think so. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is. You know what it is. Mr. Giddy over there. Uh, what? Yeah, you yeah. know what. See you in two weeks, suckers. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> Mr. Giddy. <laughs> By the way, I, Coles and I were making fun of you, Kenny, because I said... He will be downright giddy because he's going to look at all of us and say, I don't have to put up with you dum-dums for two weeks. <laughs> the only other day he's happier is the right the day right before the state fair begins when he gets right. the building That's to himself. also a very good time for me. <laughs> uh, defender Francisco Calvo represents Minnesota United at the 2018 MLS All-Star Game. Here's how they do the All-Star Game. MLS All-Stars play the legendary Italian club Juventus. Sure. August 1st at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Uh, United, uh, right here tonight, you'll be able to listen to them. In fact, the pregame is on in less than an hour. They are playing Dallas FC at TCF Bank Stadium. Tonight, you'll hear it here, 6.30 pre-match, 7 o'clock kickoff on 1500 ESPN. United FC midfielder Colin Martin came out publicly this morning as gay, hours before the team celebrates Pride Night at tonight's game. 23-year-old made the announcement on Twitter, revealing his teammates, family, and friends already knew and have known for some time. Links in action tonight. They're playing the Atlanta Dream at the Target Center. Uh, former Wild News, I guess we could say, Chuck Fletcher remains in Minnesota, but the former Wild GM has a new job. The New Jersey Devils hired him as senior advisor to the general manager, Hockey Operations. Vince McMahon's commitment to his relaunched football league, the XFL. Is this still a thing? Yeah, in fact, you know what Vince is putting into it? Oh, my God, you're draining my final segment. Now we're going to have to come Oops. up with something. Well, no, 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 go for it. Right. No, go for it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Plus, fine. we have more umpire uh, coaching meltdowns. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Too. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, have, yeah, have go for played, it. Have you played Tommy yet? Because that's the best one. No, well, we're going to. Sort of. Have you heard the one? Uh, the Kurt Bavakwa? Kurt Bavakwa. Yeah, I've heard that. Oh, but we got to play that. Just go play it. Uh, the WWE chairman who began funding the league by selling about $100 million in WWE stock and putting it in his wholly owned subsidiary Alpha Entertainment has informed insiders he expects to spend closer to half a billion dollars in the league's first three seasons. XFL scheduled to reboot Why? in February 2020. He's flushing this money down the toilet. League CEO. He's got plenty to do that with. I suppose. Yeah. 
League CEO and Commissioner Oliver Luck told ESPN people were focused on the $100 million, but the truth is that doesn't even get us to the 20-yard line. Luck said the biggest cost will be salaries to pay players and coaches. said the average salary for the 40-man rosters will hover around $75,000 with players who are more in demand making much more than that. Players in the first time around for the XFL, co-owned by McMahon and NBC, paid players about forty-five grand for the 10-week schedule. Uh, one other significant cost apparently will be insurance to cover any player injuries. Hmm. And Celtics. Oh no, I'm the, making you guys work. This okay, is, uh, well, I didn't. I, I mean, <laughs> looking at me, I don't know. Uh, Boston Celtics president of basketball operations Danny Ainge said it's his job to explore all trade possibilities when superstars become available, but uh, he said he likes his core that he has right now, and he said the possibility of the Celtics finishing up any summer blockbuster trade is unlikely. They're armed with a treasure trove of young talent and future draft picks. He says they have the necessary assets to put together maybe the best possible package for a player like, say, Kawhi Leonard. And while Lane stressed he couldn't talk specifically about any free agents or players and trade rumors, he made it clear today it's simply his job to explore all the, the Celtics won't do anything big, but Danny Ainge and his and his buddies will be leaking all kinds of stuff all summer. <laughs> well, I thought long. they were connected to Kawhi. Didn't I hear that yesterday? Everybody's oh, been connected everybody's to Kawhi. Connected. I mean, the Celtics have assets to get them, but the Celtics are, they want they're probably that, they're right. probably not going to do it. But Danny Ainge will be leaking stuff all sure. summer. So, all right, let's bring Gross, this in for a soft landing, guys. You can get a shot for that, you know. <laughs> <Yeah. man>. <laughs> <laughs> Coverage. The ride we think a lot alike you and me also. Traffic. Yeah. I'm gonna look at the weather. Traffic and weather together. That means they can fire us both on the same day. Uh, it is so hot in Chicago so right how now. How hot is it? The home plate umpire's uh, light blue oh. shirt is completely oh, soaked. Oh, look at that. And he just came out from the, I believe it was the Twins dugout, uh, stuffing a white Gatorade towel around his neck. I'm guessing it's full with ice water. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, so, you know, as we love to beat up on these guys, uh, just remember, this poor guy out there is in the gear, and he doesn't get to go to the dugout between innings. He's out there blistering heat uh, right now, absorbing it all. Real quick, I was at a uh, I was at a league meeting for the team that I run, and we were talking about umpires because on Sunday, remember how hot it was? Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, there was a guy that had done... A double header at one set. I think it was in Shakopee by himself. <sighs> so you're talking he's doing two, he's running bases, nine inning games, running bases you with know, the gear on. Oh my god! And you know, at the end, you're just you're you're out of it because you're so fatigued and tired and he exhausted. Well, no wonder he can't call pitches of inch <laughs> off the plate. Um, Kenny's story about her Brooks got me thinking, uh, the, the stringer story with the poor radio guy got me thinking about a Gene Mock story that's kind of been passed down amongst us scribes through the ages. So, you know, Gene Mock was the twins manager in the mid seventies. And, and the story goes, he, uh, he had already given his post game spiel to the group of writers and reporters who were there and he was just kind of sitting back, uh, talking to them. I guess he was kind of like in his underwear and his socks and he was smoking a cigarette and just kind of relaxing. And all of a sudden this very harried uh, young kid comes in, like uh, just one of the kids making probably 20 bucks just doing, do with a microphone getting sound quotes sure. for the for the post game, right? Gene, 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 I'm sorry. I know you've already talked, but I missed it. Uh, I'm wondering <laughs> if you could just kind of go over some quotes again and, 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 and maybe help me out here. And the story goes, Gene took his cigarette he stubbed it out in the ashtray. He looked at him in the eye and he said, Kid, there are two things in this world I don't give a bleep about. 
boobs on a man and your bleeping deadline. <laughs> and it wasn't boobs. Yes. Well, I know because Joe and Pat have always said that he was their favorite guy ever to cover uh, from from a from a sporting standpoint because he was old school. Oh heavens, yes. And I know. I think it was a spring. Joe tells the story a lot better, but Joe was covering. Maybe he was doing a. I forget what it was. They were in Arizona, and he went to go interview Mock. So it might have been. It doesn't matter what what it was for. Probably but, when he was with the Angels and they were training in uh, Arizona. Sure, and Joe was under the weather. He had the sniffles or whatever, and Mock was apparently was a was a germ freak. And he made Joe stand on the other side of the screen door to interview him <laughs> at his house. <laughs> he wouldn't let him inside at all. Inside. He uh. made him interview him through the screen door because he was afraid Joe was going to get him sick. <laughs> all right, we're talking meltdowns, right? We've been yep. talking meltdowns, some of the epic ones. We played Lee Elias. We played Tommy Hamilton's uh, really surgical takedown of C.B. Buckner, mm-hmm. uh, the home plate umpire. Uh, but there's something about Tommy Lasorda I hear that's kicking in oh, the yes. uh, in the in the. This uh, is a so here. Lasorda had been accused by uh, members of the Padres back when of of ordering the pitcher to throw at a particular batter during their series, and he took exception to that. Never ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody, nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a. 130 hitter like Lafay or Bavacqua who could hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I guarantee you this when I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a team that had guys on it like Bavacqua, I sent a limousine to get the to make sure he was in the lineup because I kicked that man any day in a week. He's a big mouth, I'll tell you that. Kurt Bavacqua. We had uh, we have a special place in our hearts, us Detroiters, about Bavacqua because uh, when the Tigers played the Padres in the '84 World Series, Bavacqua was the DH, and he was a career 190 hitter or something. But somehow, I think uh, Why was he Kevin because McRe- Kevin McReynolds was hurt. Oh. Kevin McReynolds was playing for the Padres. He broke his wrist during the NLCS against the Cubs and was unavailable. So that set off a cascade of events that they ended up going with Bavacqua. And Bavacqua had a hell of a series. He had two home runs. He had extra base hits he was a th- he hit, hit the game winning home run in game 2 the only game that the tigers lost but in, in, in during that game he ran around the bases and he blew kisses to the san diego crowd and that became kind of a, ra- a battle cry for the tigers and then when kurt gibson hit his 8th inning home run in game 5 when goose gossage was supposed to walk him and didn't and he went around the bases at tiger stadium blowing kisses to the crowd wow. in observance of Kirk Bavakwa. Remind me, because I mean, I know the Tigers won handily. Was that a sweep? Was no, that, it was five games. It was five they games. They lost game two in San Diego because Bavakwa hit this home run. Okay. Uh, and Because that was a complete mismatch. Oh, yeah. Because weren't the Cubs supposed the Cubs to? Cubs would have put up a battle. I think it would have been a lot closer. But that Tigers, but the Tigers team was, was good. Yeah, they were, they were loaded, and they... That was the only postseason game they lost. I think they went seven and one. They went one hundred and four and fifty eight in the regular season. Because who did they beat in the division round? Was it Kansas, Kansas City? City? They okay. swept them, and this was when it was still a best of five. Okay, uh, it was three out of five. But Bavakwa. So when I hear that, I just think of Kurt Bavakwa just being this uh, random sort of star for the Padres in that series. Because, I, and the only reason I remember that is when they played the Twins in eighty seven. And I know yep. you hate talking about that. No, that's fine. Um, but they would always show highlights of, because that's when I really was starting to get into baseball was 84, 85, 86. And then the Twins made me a 
baseball fan for life in 87, but I remember them showing highlights then of the Tigers' run in 84 and how the city of Detroit was just on fire that yeah. summer. Well, they started 35-5, and five, so if you can imagine wow. how... Uh, how 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 much it was bought into that this was going to be the season. I mean, and then they didn't play. They played barely under over five hundred after that. But they started thirty five and five. best forty game start in the history of baseball. That's Nobody's come close to that. They won seventeen games in a row on the road. Was that as good as Jack Morris was for the Tigers that summer? Uh he's had he had better seasons. He didn't win twenty games, but he was pretty solid. He was hurt a little bit that game, but he threw a no hitter. That was That's when he right. threw his no hitter too right. against the White Sox. Okay. So enough of these 84 memories. People are tired of hearing about that. We're talking about that. What else we got in the queue? Uh, this would be Earl Weaver going oh. after the first base umpire. Bill Holler. I've Bill. heard this one. You're a liar. Oh, Earl. Hang a rubber. Oh, bull, 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 you're here. Bull, you're here. And you screw us. You're just a nuts. Yeah. Boom. That's great. You run yourself, Earl. You won yourself. Your you hit me. Yeah, cause you Look, put your I'm glad you did. me. I'm glad you hit me. You're here for one time. What's that, Earl? Just got. Ah, you're full of you. Damn years and years. And don't you ever put your finger on me? Again. You hit me, Earl. You put your finger. That's on okay. Me. You ain't gonna knock nobody on her. You do it again, and I'll knock you right in your nose. I didn't touch you. You pushed your finger. I did not. You are. You are lying. You're a big liar. If you you are a liar, Earl. You are a liar. The only reason you are you're wrong, here. Earl. And you'll have your chance tomorrow. Oh, you got it as quick as you can. What is wrong with you? You ain't no good. No, you aren't either. Yeah, you well, aren't you either. You ain't no good. You're no <laughs> good either. Yeah, what, do well, I, I what are you doing here now? Well, why don't you call the league office and ask them? Yeah, I will. Oh, good. Don't think I won't. Good. To know who's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know it. Why? You in the World Series. You know it. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know it. I've won more than I've lost, kid. I know you haven't. Games, count games. Games, count games, stupid. I love, I love the umpire giving it right back to him. Oh, you're going to go in the Hall of Fame for what? Botching World World Series (laughs) for bleeping up World Series because Weaver only won one, I think. He'd been in several of them, but he was only able to win one. In 83? No, that wasn't his team. Wasn't uh, 1970, I believe, he beat the Reds. Who was, okay. Oh, was Ripken the manager in 83? No, it was Joe Altabelli. Some, it was his okay. pitching coach. from Weaver retired after the 82 season. But I think okay. he I think he was in like three or four series, okay. and he only won one. And the infamous one in 79, he had a three games to one lead on the Pirates, yep. the We Are Family Pirates, sure. and he blew that one. Ooh, so I think that's, on that Pirates team, What's right? that? Burt was on oh, yeah. Bly Levin was, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what the umpire was referring oh, to. Like, oh, what's what, for screwing up World Series? Is that where you're going to Hall of Fame for? <laughs> oh, um, Weaver was a classic. And the best life, well, Pat Pat loved him for a variety of reasons, but when they went out drinking one night, he, there was an 80, 80-some-year-old uh, waitress, waitress yeah. and he says, Honey, before you die, a couple of more gin and tonics for the fellas at their table. That <laughs> Weaver be, said that? Weaver said that to the, uh, Lovely. the attendant that was uh, working with them. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the ride with Roycey before your holiday weekend and week right after this. Yeah, what a classic. No doubt. Um, I'm kind of the king of having a gripe on the air and then a player proving me wrong. 
Joe Maurer's having himself a day, is he? Yuri Adrianza oh. is kind of the poster child for the dysfunction of this Twins team this season. I would I agree with that, but it's no fault of his. It's not. He's not an everyday player. He's forced into action because of the Polanco suspension, but he had a terrible at-bat in the first inning. He's made a number of base-running blunders this year. And I get again, I get it. He's not supposed to be an everyday player, but I was just watching this at-bat. He's up with the bases loaded. Twins are up 5-2, to two, and I'm thinking... If he doesn't produce in this spot, because the Twins should easily have about 10 runs in this game off Mike Montgomery, he's most culpable in this particular situation. If they they don't come back, if the the Cubs end up coming back and winning this game, then it's those kind of at-bats that are the reason why. And he's popping up. Yeah, he's the poster child for the dysfunction of this Twins club. Get a a single. Yeah. All right. single. But we're heading into uh, the pre-4th of July weekend. So I'm going to the Dells with the kids. Five right. kids, uh, five adults, mostly in-laws. Uh, pray for my soul. I, I uh, will. No, but uh, what, what do you guys got planned? I am going uh, tomorrow morning. I am heading up north to uh, Onamia just off of uh, Mille Lacs Lake with the family, nice. the family uh, vacation house up there. So nice. For the weekend for the, or for longer? Just for the weekend. I'll be back Monday. Okay. But yeah, just for the weekend. Reeves? Basically coaching baseball this particular weekend and then trying to stay out of the heat because I hate this weather more than anything. How can you say that as a Minnesotan? I Come on. I just hate this weather. I really, really I mean, do. it's brutal, but I mean, you know, like I said at the top of the show, you don't have to shovel heat. No, I know. You don't have to scrape heat. I got it. Yeah, I, and I'm with you, but as it's, th- as... it's light out till nine. You know what it is? And I'm being... The, and I'm very selfish in this regard. As an asthmatic... Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. It's yeah. Okay. Awful. I'll give you that. Yeah. The I air quality. Is I, I can speak. I have oh. asthma too. I, I didn't know that. that. I didn't yeah. know yeah. that, guys. Well, that's that's, right, that's a that big one. reason why. To me, and I just, bleh, I always feel like I have to take a shower. So, but but I'm gonna be. I'm going to a game tonight. I'll be there in about an hour. I'm leaving as soon as we're done. So you're gonna so. be roasting. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking on the hated St. Benedict Saints tonight down at Belfield. You guys should come. Is it rivalry Make night? Yeah. Uh, well, they're in our league. Yeah, but they're good guys, so they're not really a rivalry. Yeah, let's say ah, we hate them. Yeah, because we, we only we only drink about two cases of beer with them after the game. Well, so, whatever you do, don't throw it Kirk Bavacqua. <laughs> no, uh, you would never no. do that. I will send a limousine to pick the bleep and bleeper up. That's just awesome. It's poetic. Thank you, Tommy Lasorda. Well, today was Thanks, a little Murph. bit more of a grind than it was yesterday, but we had some fun. Yes, I'm glad I was here the last fine. couple of days. Uh, I'll be back uh, next Friday uh, with uh, Garage Logic and a little bit of sports talk. So uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening. Enjoy the fourth coming up in a couple of days. Uh, this is Brian Murphy signing off on 1500 ESPN.